0: Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self, so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it, and we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect, otherwise nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work of reconnecting the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my Connectfulness counseling practice and online workshops at connectfulness.com. Y'all, I'm so excited to be back here with you and to share with you one of my dearest friends. Akila Riley Richardson is joining me. Akila is a published researcher, a certified relational life therapist and facilitator, as well as a certified clinical trauma professional. Akila has been in clinical practice for 16 years and has experience working with couples and persons practicing consensual non-monogamy, both in the Caribbean and internationally. She also specializes in work with sexual minorities and racial minorities. As an educator and facilitator, she has provided consultancy services to organizations such as the National Alliance for State and Territorial AIDS Directors, the Relational Life Institute, the International Training and Education Center for Health, and the Caribbean Vulnerable Communities. She has been a social work educator at the University of Southern Caribbean since 2012. Akila and I are going to be talking about the impact of racism on relationships today, which I think is a super important conversation for all of us, especially those who live in bodies of culture and for people who are in mixed-race relationships. I hope that you enjoy today's episode and get a lot from listening to our conversation. Hey friends, I'm so happy to have you back with us. I am here today. Oh my gosh, this is like I'm my heart is so full of joy right now. I'm here today with my dear, 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 dear friend and colleague, Akila Riley Richardson. Akila is a behavioral change consultant, relational life therapist, and facilitator. Based in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. And Akila, I am so excited to be having this conversation here with you today. I wish our listeners could see our smiles.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to sit with you because I trust you so much. I'm happy to sit with you to, to have this conversation. So, my heart is, is at ease. This, this afternoon.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive right
1: in. Where do you want to start? As I'm sitting here, I feel tired. And I was saying to myself, I wish I could walk into conversations about discrimination and all the isms without having, without feeling angry or sad. I wish <sighs> I could be so calm and centered when I speak so that I can, you know, sound objective. Um, but the truth is, is that I've been experiencing so many things in my body in the last few months that have been connected to historical trauma and race-based trauma that I have been unable to sit with this topic to prepare presentations on this topic without feeling triggered. Mm. But here's what I know. I think because I'm triggered, this means that this work is even more important. Yes. And I want to I wanna just stress there is no universal BIPOC experience. Yeah, so what I would experience may pale in comparison to what some other people experience. We're not all experiencing the same thing, but I know there is some degree of fatigue. You know, James Baldwin talks about racial battle fatigue. And I am certain that what he refer- what what I'm experiencing right now pales in comparison to what he was even referring to. But I I do feel some level of exhaustion in my body, and 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 I'm holding space for all our clients who carry that exhaustion in their bodies.
0: Yeah,
1: and some know it and some don't even know it.
0: That's an interesting piece right there. I wonder if we could just like. Oh, for our listeners, right? The folks that are listening to this conversation with us right now, some of you might really notice that exhaustion. Yep. Yep. And for others, it might show up really differently.
1: Yep. Yep. Some of us, it's anger. Some of us, it's um, the shut the sense of being shut down in the body. For some of us, it's anxiety. For some of us, we are going into tend and befriend. We are appeasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are appeasing. Some of us, all our walls are coming down. But at the root, there's a violation, mm-hmm. and there's a violation that says you are not enough, and there's a violation that says you are not wanted. Mm-hmm. And when you feel that in your body, your nervous system is trying to figure out how to survive in the the face of that knowing. And when it's trying to figure all of that out, I imagine it's very difficult to stay safely connected to anybody, including your partners. Yes. Yeah, and there's so much research out there, just talking about the impact of race-based trauma on on just the nervous system of minority groups. So we know it's real. We're not making this up. Yeah, and as I I sigh just now because I realized I felt. Some sense of defeat, and I'm not saying that I'm right to feel this. It just is what I feel right now in this moment. I may feel differently in about an hour or two, um, but I feel some sense of defeat when I think about the fact that it's not one incident; it's in it's it's many incidents. It's the layers. It's uh, it's many incidents. It's it's Buffalo. It's George Floyd. It's See horror stories in Canada. It's it's so many things that send the message to BIPOC all over the world that you are not enough and you are not wanted, and that just lands in the nervous system.
0: I'm thinking right now. I'm I'm, I'm having a I'm thinking of so many times where I've seen Resma speak, uh-huh, uh-huh. and when I see Resma speak, one of the first things he says. Over and over and over again, and he'll say it over and over and over, is you are not defective.
1: Yes. Yeah. I I sat in a in a training with Resma once and heard him say that. And I cried. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I don't actively walk around. It's it's so strange. I it's not conscious for me, but it's definitely an implicit knowing. It definitely is. Yeah. Like I can, I and I only know it when I find myself activated or triggered by something, and I can't figure it out. It, it, it. But you're right. We, we do. Many of us do walk around with a sense of of being defective. I don't think, I don't think we think we have it, but I think many of us do have it. But when we hear those words,
0: you are not defective. I think the way those words land in our bodies, land in bodies, what I witness in myself, what I witness in others who I am with when he's talking, is a sense of relief.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. But then, as I say it now, I realize I feel a sense of relief, but I also feel a sense of now what? Uh, and yeah, and that uncertainty. Think, yes, and I think I think you know I I am sitting with now with the four pivots, and I feel like maybe the four pivots by Sean Genrite or right Forgive me if it's a soft G or hard G, and I'm mispronouncing your name, Sean. Um, I sense that maybe the answers there because he talks so much about possibilities and creating. And so when I think about the impact of racism on on people and couples, what I'm thinking about now is this thing I'm processing relational imagination. And I'm and I, and I, and I and I've thought about that and it's 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 totally based on Adrian's Adrian Maurice Brown concept of radical imagination. I can't even pretend that I, I created this with any kind of oh, Without any kind of base, because I think that because so many of us are walking in with a lack of relational privilege, and I'll explain what I what I what I think that's been a bit. That we now have to after we after we rumble with that reality, we now have to sit and imagine. But we need to rumble first before we imagine. We need to pivot. And then we need to imagine. So, a huge part of what I want for all people of color is to pivot, rumble, imagine those three things pivot, rumble, imagine. And I'm so happy that I'm at a point in my life where I could be interacting with such beautiful work, Adrian's work, Sean's work, where I could, and they, where I can be led. To think about those things. Pivot, rumble, imagine. No? So
0: take us there. Take us into the pivot, into the rumble,
1: and into the imagination. I've gone quiet because I'm doing it now. I am. I think about Sean in his work talks about the mirror and the lens, right? Mm-hmm. And I think about the ways in which Minority stress, historical trauma, enduring trauma, endurance trauma—how that changes our lens, how it affects the way that we see ourselves and our partners,
0: and, and how how it affects the transgenerational lenses that we yes, pass down. Yes. Because on a cellular level,
1: yeah, right,
0: it changes like the things that my great-grandmother were rumbling with live inside of my body. The things yes. that my grandmother was rumbling with, the things that my mother was rumbling with, right? Like the all of those pieces cellularly yes. change us and, yes. and reorient us to like, yes. what is it that I need to um, caution against in the world?
1: Where yes. is the world safe? Yes. And so you're right, that affectionate expression it affects our stress profile it affects how we react what we look for and and so when i find myself looking at the world in a particular way and being unable to connect to others and connect with my partner and to feel safe with my partner i begin to pivot and now i need to look inside what in the world is going on with my nervous system mm-hmm. and so so, big- so
0: when you're using the word pivot for our listeners i just want to get really clear
1: because I don't know that
0: they've read Sean's book yet. Right. By
1: the way, they should. Everybody, they should. if
0: you if you haven't heard of the book, The Four Pivots yet, we highly recommend it. It's a huge, and, plug. <laughs> it's a huge <laughs> plug. But when we're talking about this pivot, what we're talking about is instead of looking out there. Yes. To turn and do the U-turn. Yeah. Looking in here.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, and, and. And I look in, and I'm not just looking into my experience in the moment. I'm looking into the collective trauma. Mm. I'm looking into the historical trauma. You know, I'm I'm going to be teaching with with Terry Reel in September. One of the things I've started to 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 process is something called the intergenerational compassionate network, and us imagining the experiences of our ancestors and sending compassion to them and imagining them sending compassion to us. So all of that is in the pivot. All of that work is in the pivot. The pivot is about looking back to our ancestors. The pivot is about looking Looking. In one, and how we're receiving our daily experiences of minority stress. The pivot is about how I respond when I look at the television and I see a black male being wounded 60 times and the, and the collective trauma that's felt by all by BIPOC who interact with that material. That is the pivot. So I'm not just pivoting into me. I'm pivoting into centuries. I'm pivoting into this collective wounding. And I'm pivoting and seeing all these repetitions, as as Thomas Hubel says, and, and I don't have the quote perfectly, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, these repetitions, uh, I think it's silence. It's, it's bidding for old injuries. And I pivot and I look at all of that. And then I rumble.
0: Mm.
1: I look. Take in, us
0: into the rumble
1: now. It's the hard questions, I believe. Mm-hmm.
0: The courageous conversations.
1: Yeah. Oh. It's the hard questions about what is this doing to me, for me, and through me. Mm. It's about looking at also the validity of it. It, 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 it And I want to say the questions, you know, sometimes I think there's a preoccupation with answers, right? But these are not necessarily questions for which we would find clear answers. For me, the rumbling, it's okay to rumble when there are no answers. So for me, I'm there and I'm asking myself about to me, for me and through me what's happening. I'm asking myself about the validity and the validity is not about, I can't use text. I can't use words always to find the validity. It's me sitting down with my body and feeling it in my body and knowing just because it's there, it's valid. So I'm honoring it. I'm honoring. You're, all you're of.
0: honoring what it is that you're experiencing yes. as, you, as you sit inside that rumble. Yes.
1: I'm honoring my wounding. I'm honoring my collect- the collective wounding that sits within me. I'm honoring the historical trauma. I am not going to medicate it. I am not going to self-love it out. <laughs> when I say self-love it out, I mean, I'm not going to tell myself, no, I should not be feeling this. I just need to love myself. I am going to sit with it, rumble with it, honor it. Validate it. I'm sitting with it even right now. I'm feeling this tightness in my throat. And as I'm sitting with it, this is how I rumble. I'm asking it, now what? And sometimes I can literally feel its answer. Like I can't hear words all the time, but I can feel its answer. And it just said to me, Psh. and so to me, that suggests Acceptance and compassion.
0: You said earlier, I can't self-love it out. No, and, I can't and, it. But, but here's the thing. Akilah, as you demonstrate for us what that rumble looks like and sounds like, and how you get to that place of compassion and acceptance, witnessing you there, what I see is love like yeah. the love and the tenderness of being willing to sit with yourself inside of not knowing all the answers the willing the willingness and the tenderness to be able to just turn towards yourself with yeah. with care and curiosity or or interest of yes. what is what is happening inside of me what yeah. are what are these things i don't know yes. right like th- that to me is what love looks like
1: yeah I think I think I was I was a bit cheeky when I said I can't self-love without. I think you know, I have I have struggled and I and I'm I'm gonna come back on 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 point. I have struggled with the industries, the mental health industries focus on self-love and not connecting with what you feel and this sort of dismissing way in which sometimes we we don't wanna rumble with the uncomfortable stuff sometimes. So I think it's a different. this is definitely a different kind of love. And I want to thank you for kind of recognizing that, that there's love in the rumbling, that I don't have to remove myself from it. I could stay with it. And as I stay with it, I can see the possibilities in it. I can begin to imagine. I remember saying to someone that I think that the typical definitions of intimacy May not necessarily necessarily hold for marginalized groups. I think marginalized groups have to rumble with what feels right for them and what feels safe for them in their intimacy. So I I wouldn't even dare sit here and say intimacy for black folks means no. I think each couple must sit, pivot, rumble, and then figure out what is connection with another human being look like for me I am br- and bring bring the stories that live in your body they come too they come too you know there's this thing I was saying to 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 Terry that if you are doing relational life therapy with marginalized groups you're always cycling back to trauma work it's always happening yes yeah but that's part of the that's a necessary part of the breakthrough. I think cycling back is important. I don't think, I don't think when we have to go back to the trauma for minoritized groups, that we are, the a setback. I think it's through rumbling when, 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 when black couples or Asian couples or, or Latinx couples sit with their race-based trauma what it's doing to their relationships and they pivot and rumble and imagine, I think that is an intimate experience. Yes. I think that's a powerful experience. The sitting and, inside of the rumble. Yes. Yeah. I think that is is very powerful. You, but you sit inside and you externalize at the same time. So the research yeah. shows that group that 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 couples can get really, really can become really, really centered and grounded if they learn how to externalize. So, you know, there's this thing I talk about called responsible externalizing where you work with couples to be able to name race-based trauma, name the ways in which it is affecting the their, their, their connection to each other mm-hmm. and externalizing it. And even that joint experience it's a, powerful, intim- it's a powerfully intimate moment. For yeah. our
0: listeners, when you're talking about externalizing it, what do you mean by that?
1: I am thinking about... And I feel safe to say this. I don't think you'll be mad. I'm thinking about an argument I had with my husband a few months ago or well, something to do with our children. And when I sat with it, I realized what was really feeding this was global politics and where we were situated in the world. What do I mean by that? It was around COVID. It was mm-hmm. around the pandemic. And. And that you're in the global south. I'm in the global south. And we have been the last to receive vaccines. We've been the last, well, one of the last. I shouldn't say the last. We've been one of the last to receive vaccines, one of the last to receive many things that we've needed to get to deal with the pandemic. And this stress has affected families and affected couples. And we were arguing about something connected to, 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 to the pandemic and managing it for our family. And looking back, I realized that if we were able to say, you know what's really happening here? Mm-hmm. This is not about you and me. This is about where we are located in the world. This is about global politics, marginalization, and this and this dynamic is now seeping into our relationship.
0: I get it. So that's the that's the naming it and externalizing. That's
1: it. the externalizing. I want to mm-hmm. give another another example, if you'd allow. I'm thinking about a couple I was working with. And they were fighting. They were having a hard time. Arguments. And and when I looked in, it was because one of the partners was experiencing intense racism in the UK. And that, and her nervous system was, whew, she was ready to fight. She was in a warring place. And what we were able to do was to help the couple to externalize and say this is not about you this is not about me this is about racism on the outside
0: and and that right there like as i'm hearing you share this what's lighting up inside of me is you know we can we we all of us we humans we human beings can be in a state where we um are available for connection mm. Or we can be in a state, and and in that state, we feel relatively safe. Yes. Right? Or we can be in a state, this is a brain state, where we are nervous, like our automatic nervous system moves into a state where then we might be in, um, there's something coming at me, and there's something I can do about it, which would put us in a state of fight or flight. I can get away or I can move towards or yeah. if we feel that no i'm going to collapse there's nothing i can do we move yeah. into a state of freeze or collapse yes. right yes. so if we're walking through the world in one of in a and and these things change moment by moment right like our friend jules often says that our nervous system is scanning the world inside of us and outside of us at a rate of five times per second. Mm-hmm. Take that in, five times per second to mm-hmm. see am I safe or am I not safe? Mm-hmm. So if if we're going through that scan and in general, walking through the world, you're in a state of fight. Yes. Then coming home into your relationship might not be enough to take you out of that state.
1: Nope, 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 nope. I'm getting that I'm getting that. yes, right. you're okay. you're getting it totally. And it then pushes us as people to be able to name what's happening.
0: Yeah.
1: and as I said, I felt a fear I felt fear in my body because I realized Becca this work is so important. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to serve. BIPOC couples with a huge deal of intentionality and a huge systemic awareness because so many are struggling and don't know.
0: Yeah. Where do we begin, Akila? This is what you teach us. So I'm coming to you with this like huge question. That feels too big for any one human to answer. Yeah,
1: it feels huge. You know, you you asked where do we begin and my body resisted because I'm embracing a concept now called epistemological hybridism. Say it again. Epistemological hybridism. And it's about honoring multiple ways of knowing. So while I may have an offering for where we should begin, when I'm working with my couples, I want them to tell me where they should begin. So I'm listening. Like I have this template. I can't access it right now, but I have this template when you're with your people and you're listening. You're just thinking about what's happening on your body. What are their needs? What are their wants? What do they think their will should be for them to feel safe? What is their current read of the world in their nervous system? And that tells you where you should begin. And typically, it's around working through the trauma, working through the race-based trauma, working through it by witnessing it. There's power in the witnessing. We know that. It's power in witnessing and listening because so often marginalized groups have to... How to put it? How should I say it? There's nobody to really hear, understand and respect it. And so you just witness it, honoring it. I think it's so important and it teaches them to witness it and honor it. So if you... If you do the group, then they could pivot safely and rumble safely. Yeah. You have to help to give them words and name it. I think it's so important to use words like racism. Use words like historical trauma with your people. Because sometimes, and I've seen this in my practice, I've been, I have to admit, I've been amazed when I see minority stress and clients look at me like, oh my God, that's it. And And I'm there like, yes, this is this is what it is. When I'm able to put words, there's a relief. The nervous system goes, oh, "Okay, because I've just normalized it."
0: Because you've yeah. taken their subjective experience and you've brought it into a place of like, "Oh, you're not alone here, and there's nothing you're not wrong alone. with you." You're not right? Alone. It's it's the it's the system out here that is broken. It's not you that's broken. Yes. And you're not yes. alone, so you belong here. Yes. Right? I see you. I witness you. Witnessing yes. also conveys that we we're in this together yes we, you're not you're not by yourself i can i can be in this with you i can tolerate the space with you you are important to me
1: yes so i think the first first part is 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 witnessing it being accountable sitting with your people mm-hmm. listening to their their ways of how listening to how they hold truth that's also important and seeing and helping them to to track. Or to find the connection between the minority stress and these challenges in the relationship. Yeah. And
0: so if if we're talking directly to the couple right now, right? If if we're talking directly to the couple and not to necessarily a therapist, they're they can do this inside of their relationship too.
1: Yes. They definitely. Can. They I'm can help advocate. each other
0: with this. They can. They can yes. help track these and and name yes. these pieces.
1: Yeah, you can take a. If you do the 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 pivot, the rumble, and the imagining. So when you do the the pivot, and you rumble, once you can get a sense of when I am when I when I am when I am triggered, when I'm hurt. What that question? What does my body need? What does my body need is directly connected to this behavior that I'm expressing in the relationship. Yeah? If my body desperately needed to be heard, I may find myself very aggressive in my relationship. Yeah? If my body desperately needed affection or holding, I may find myself, you know, Very boundaryless, and 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 all my containing boundaries are down, and I'm expressing too much, and I'm I'm, 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 I I hate the word needy, but I'm finding myself reaching more. Like like at the point when you reconnect with the trauma, the trauma gives you valuable information about your behavior. So when Mm -hmm. we and, and we call when when couples are struggling with minority stress, we call that behavior negative dyadic coping. Yeah, so. I'm trying to find a connection between the minority stress and the behaviors that constitute negative diet and coping. The link is right there. But you have to do the, the pivoting and the rumbling.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the beauty of it, or at least I hope the beauty of it. The potential for the beauty of it. The potential for the beauty of it is that there's normalizing of both. Because it's not that I'm aggressive. It's not that I'm boundaryless. It's not that I like to withdraw. It's that my trauma is speaking. It's asking me a question. You know, Bonnie Barnock talks about, you know, trauma living in the body as though, as though no time has passed. Yes. And when I'm expressing these behaviors, when I'm engaging in negative dyadic coping, which can look like all sorts of unhealthy behaviors in my relationship, this is, those are those unanswered, those unmet needs from those experiences that I've had day by day that constitute race-based trauma. But guess what? That, those behaviors are not just my bids for, to heal my own trauma. It's my ancestors calling as well because their stories live in my body. And because of this phenomenon of collective trauma, it's not just mine and my ancestors. It's Breonna Taylor's, George Floyd's. All of those names are in there. So when I am behaving in a particular way with my partner, my partner is seeing all the knowings of my collective trauma, my historical trauma, all of it. The inherited trauma. Sorry? The The inherited. inherited trauma. All of it. And the beauty of it is that if we can notice it, we can begin to imagine. What is the relational and radical imagination? What is, what will undo this? What will treat this in this moment? And then I'm trusting the knowing of the couple. So do I may have suggestions and do I may have um, strategy? This is
0: is part of that pivot though. And even inside of the rumble, there's still a pivot, right? Yeah. Inside of the rumble, there's that pivot of like, okay, now that you are aware of what is
1: coming forward. Yes. What is needed? what is needed, what is needed. And then the couple can sit together with the therapist and figure that out. Like I, I said, we, we would have strategies and suggestions, but, but I want us to really, I don't want us to perform epistemic violence. I want us to sit with people and hear them talk about what their needs are and imagine how to create that.
0: Yeah. And and now I'm, I'm, my mind is like having little, Fireworks going off. <laughs> so if you can, good, 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 and and so I wonder <laughs> if we can rumble with some of those fireworks together, and and see how they play together. Because I'm just going to put out like two of the questions that I'm sitting here thinking of. Okay, and we can decide which one we want to go with, or or if we're going to talk about both of it. Like that's all cool. One of the questions I'm having is, okay, so who gets to rumble and and pivot and and imagine first within the couple? There's, there's two partners and are they both doing this at the same time? Or is this like a listener and a speaker kind of like in RLT, we talk about a feedback wheel. Is this like, are we taking turns in that kind of way? And is there something explicit that this couple needs to know in regards to how to be present with each other? And then the other question that I'm thinking of is what about mixed race couples?
1: Okay. And how does this play out there? Typically, I'd say that the person who feels more wounded has mm-hmm. the rumble first.
0: So, so just to make it really explicit for our listeners, because I think you and I can go through this conversation. Yes. We can shorthand it, and we yeah. can have this conversation like in in really fast time. Yes, and we love doing that. You know, <laughs> you know like that's thats how we we Over- interact understanding. With each other. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I want to slow us down more than I normally would. Because I want to make sure our listeners are with us. Got it. And so what I'm wondering is like how they need to move into a really explicit place yes. of understanding who gets to pivot and rumble and imagine. How do they support and help each other in that process? How do they take turns with that process? I hope I'm answering your question. I'm sure
1: that you are. I hope so. I'm sure that there's a way that you are. So, And if I haven't, please come back to bring it again. Mm-hmm. For me, I think there's some permission asking and permission giving. But I would say definitely the person who feels more charged first should rumble first. Because truth be told, we think about what's going on in the brain, that person may not have the capacity to hold space for another person. Like that person is too disintegrated too, to Yeah. And so And if know- they're
0: if they're both charged, take a time out before they rumble. Before I, yeah. they before they like do the pivot, do a little bit of yes. the rumbling on your own. Yeah. And come back to each yes. other to do the work together when you're when you're more capable of being present with each other. Yeah. So, I agree. That, Thank yeah. You. yeah, that, And that, that might take 30 minutes. It might take two hours. It might take overnight. It might take a day, but to give yourself yeah. that gift of rumbling with yourself, of coming back into connection, you coming into connection with you. Yes. Right. Cause if you're not in connection with you, there's no way you're going to be able to connect to your partner.
1: If you can't, if there's no intrapersonal inner integration, there can be no interpersonal integration. Can't happen. Very, very difficult. So yeah, I I I I can see as I as I close my eyes now, can actually see the rumbling taking place and another person just bearing witness. Yeah. Bearing witness, holding space. Getting curious, you know, validating, not trying to fix, because fixing sends the message you are defective, right? I'm just holding space. I I recently,
0: with my own therapist, kind of worked something through that I was thinking about. Um, Curiosity can often move into an agenda like, oh, I'm so curious about you. I want to know what you think about X, Y, Z. And so as much as I always teach people about being in a space of curiosity versus being in a space of judgment, I also have been finding that there's confusion around what curiosity Mm. shows up as. And what I was guided towards is curiosity can move into a space of interest. Mm. Mm. And I, I loved that so much that I, I think it's worth repeating here, that that sometimes the way that we hold that space, the way that we show up for our partners in these moments, is just by staying in
1: interest. Mm. I like that. Like, okay, I heard it. Um, I smiled when there was some just, dis- oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Interest. Yeah, I mean, if someone's no, I, interested in us, that 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 says yeah. you
1: matter to me. Yeah, and, and you know, I I you, I you mentioned the feedback wheel, that I think that's one of the most powerful things about the feedback wheel. And and for persons who don't know, the feedback wheel is this tool that Terry Real uses, where he talks about these four stages, where you tell someone if 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 in a moment of conflict you need to have a hard conversation. You'd say what you saw, what what story you made up about what you saw, what you felt, and now what you like or what you need. And then the other is on the receiving end with interest. I think that's the best way to describe it now, with interest, because that person then repeats to you what you said and what they understand based on what you said. They, they, they basically demonstrate that I hear you, I'm interested in you, and this is what I'm willing to offer you. That's interest. Yeah, that's interest. You know what I'm thinking ab- about? As you said that, the interest is almost political. It is. Like I think. Of, yeah, I think about the ways in which part of the reason why BIPOC like, experience what we what what we experience is because nobody is really interested. Nobody is really interested. They're not interested and in this is why they're infractions and they're not interested in this is why there's no accountability. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's huge. And so, you know, that one of the things I keep saying is that relationality has its own politics. You know, when we can be relational with our people, when we can be relational with our partners as well, we are, giving people a sense of power and agency in the world. We are undoing those knowings in their body that say, I'm at the bottom of the system. I'm on the lowest rung of the ladder. And we are, it's all of these things, you know, it's all political, it's all political, it's all political. So we need to understand the politics and relationality and why it is so important For marginalized couples, for BIPOC couples to rumble, to pivot, to imagine because the politics, the racial politics in the external world is destroying you. And so relationality and rumbling and intimacy, I almost said undoes, undoes that politics. You know, it's so important it's so important. You know, Jules talks a lot about memory consolidation and these corrective experiences. Imagine just having these difficult experiences as a Black woman or a Black man or an, or an Asian woman or an Asian man, etc., etc. And imagine how it feels in your body, how you feel so defeated. There's no interest. There's no accountability. And then when you come home... And, and how dehumanizing that is. And how dehumanizing it is. And when you get home, there is someone who is there to convey interest, the corrective experience. There you go.
0: There you go. (laughs) So mixed race couples. Right. (laughs) Of which I'm going to out myself. I am. I am in a mixed race couple. Right. Right. So. This is this is a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is difficult because mixed race couples can feel many things. One, they can experience couple level minority stress. And this is when the relationship form itself is stigmatized so they can get looks, you know, kind of Mr. and Mrs. Loving kind of business, you know, getting looks, getting what's what's happening here. Why are the two of you all paid? And then there's this mismatch sometimes within the relationship because sometimes the other person may f- may not be able to convey the degree of interest that is required i'm seeing it and i'm i'm feeling the grief my face i just i literally felt the grief because i could feel what it must be like or somebody who's living in a dark-skinned body or in a darker-skinned body and experiencing day, things day-to-day day that the other partner cannot hold enough interest for and interest mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. to be able to provide the necessary relational context for healing and transformation. I think that is, I can feel... The challenges there. I wonder
0: then how much interest is influenced by our own subjective experiences.
1: Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's, like my
0: interest can be held more in places where I have some of my own knowings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right brain to right brain. You know, yeah. emotional world to emotional world, and um sometimes I feel a bit stumped. You know, like what, what, what then? You know, what now? As I well, sit I,
0: with, it, I, I'm have- thinking about it from you know from from inside of my own my own marriage, from inside of my own relationship, and I'm thinking there's a lot of slowing down that's needed. Uh-huh. Like a lot of like, oh wait, hold on. Like, I I don't have a knowing here, uh-huh. and I need to recognize my my ignorance or my the space uh-huh. of my not knowing, uh-huh. and pause myself uh-huh. more before I make assumptions, uh-huh. and check things out with you more, and and be inside of this with you and go wait, hold on. I'm clueless. What's it like for you? Sometimes, and this is where I think in in my relationship I've witnessed, um, it can be tricky. Yes. Sometimes I might know that I don't know something and check something out with my partner and he's not actually tuned into it. Yeah. It can get tricky there. And there are other times where he's really tuned into something and I didn't even notice that I didn't know something. That can get tricky too.
1: And you know what I think? I think in those moments, there are a few things we have to do. I think we have to grieve. Yes. I think we have to grieve. I think we also have to remember that misattunement is normal in marriage. It's normal in marriage, and uh, and it's not a bad thing in general. Not a bad thing either. In fact, that could be its own rumble and perver- That could be its own pivot and rumble. And imagine, I think you know, we're going back to those those that process. Um, it's normal. It's okay. And when we're grieving, we're not necessarily grieving that this person. Can't get it. We're, well, we're grieving that, but we're also grieving this unrealistic fantasy we have about relationships that we're always supposed to be attuned. It's just not possible. And then we do the pivot. We look inside. We look inside and about. We look inside to view our own messages and our own knowings or assumptions about what marriage should look like or about what partnership should look like or whatever. And then we rumble and we imagine, we imagine new ways to care for ourselves. And if we wish to bring our partners into the process, we can imagine new ways that that they can help us to care for ourselves, that they can support us even though they're not perfectly attuned. Like I can support even though I'm not perfectly attuned there are domains. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a dichotomous thing. It's not either or it's, you know, it's a continuum. And I think, I think we can embrace that. Yeah. You know, I think we can embrace that. I think we need to get creative.
0: I'm imagining into this space and I'm, I'm using that word, like letting it luxuriate in my mouth. As I, as I hear myself saying, I'm imagining into the space. And inside of that imagination, where I'm going is, what is it that we all really need at the core? At the core, across humanity, we all need to be cared for. We all need to know that we matter. So what if that is the curiosity, the interest that we lead with in our relationships? What if it's, I don't know what your need is right now but I want you to know that I care and that I'm here and that I'm listening. Yeah.
1: I think that as you said that, my body did. Huh, again. Uh, again, yeah. And, but my body did that. If your body doesn't do that, that's okay. And, and that's we go back to the hybridism, epistemological hybridism and and the imagining. So, if your body doesn't do that with your partner, that's
0: rumble again. <laughs> yeah, keep and stay and and that's the piece, right? Like, stay inside of that rumble until yes. you arrive in a place that yes. feels like a place to land. Yes,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I gotta admit, I love staying close to what people need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love staying close to what people need. I think that too. You know. um, my my colleague Joe talks about the clinical is always political. It's the political is always oh, the clinical is always political. And when we allow by the space to rumble, we're elevating their voices. When we when we when we honor their knowing, we honor what's right for them. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something very political about that that yes. I love that I absolutely love. I think it's so important.
0: And so then it brings me to this last question. I think maybe, maybe this is a a place for us to kind of see where our conversation lands. But I'm thinking of, and this might be inside of mixed race couples or same race couples or different minority couples, right? Like, when somebody is more shut down or shut in and not as attuned to what their own needs are or what the stresses that they're experiencing are, the complications that that layers into couples, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, if one partner is somewhat more attuned, I'm not saying perfectly attuned or, and I don't want to go there. But if one partner is more attuned and the other partner is more shut down, how do we, for, for the couples that are, the people that are listening, how do we help them navigate those spaces? What, what kind of, do you have any offerings or tools that might be supportive when there's that mismatch in, a, in attunement to
1: As you said, I smiled. I was going to just name that I saw you smiling. (laughs) Because my brain said something. Hmm. And I'm very curious about why my brain said this. I don't know why. My brain said that's okay. And my brain said there is some, that there's, you see, the the misattunement is giving us information about our daily experiences. Yes. It's giving us information about what's happening in our bodies. It's giving us information about our different histories, our different. It's, just, it's information. And and perhaps we shouldn't pathologize, Mr. Tunman. We should let it give us information about various stories.
0: As you're saying this, Akila, there are tears welling in my eyes. And I'm feeling this like. Um just
1: release of pressure. Yeah. That's what I felt too. Mm -hmm. What if we say it's okay? What if what if I know I know we've 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 made it into this thing that other people need to get it. Because I'm saying it and and I want you to know right now I am rumbling it. I am sitting with it and I'm rumbling because I, 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 I think it's a powerful, you know what I think it is? This is what I think is happening for me right now. I think there is something very powerful about having another person not get it and you be okay. And I think that. Oh,
0: Oh, wait, I just want to feel that for a minute there's something really powerful about having another person not get it and you being okay. Yeah. As as I hear those words, as I'm, as I'm allowing them to just be inside of me, what's coming up for me is, well, I'm not giving my power away there. No. If I can be okay with it when you don't get it, then I'm, I'm still empowered because I'm okay.
1: Yes. Yes, I I like for me because and I think it's so I don't know you know we we we're dealing with ourselves and with others at the same time, but I think about how empowering it is for me to know that right now there's a mismatch, but I'm still okay because what I feel is valid, you know. Yeah, what yes. I feel. I put is, my uh,
0: finger on my nose there, like that's right on the nose
1: yeah I, I just
0: want to name that for our listeners I had a big reaction to that
1: I you know my I, I had this I just thought about my oh, about, about Stan Tapkin and his work in that moment. I don't know why it just came up for me it just came up for me but you know even when I don't know there's something very powerful about that and I think Especially for people who walk the earth, feeling defective, not feeling seen. I mean, being seen in your partnership is beautiful, but I think that therapists helping our people or us helping ourselves to know right now, this is a moment when I'm not seen, where somebody actually probably wants to see me, but they can't. And that's okay. And that too has its own politics, yes, and i can I can rumble with this new piece of information that I could not get what i what I think I need and be okay uh, and i yeah i i that's where I'm landing that's where i'm that's what I'm playing with right now. I'm playing with and as a therapist, I just feel this that I'm being pushed now. To when I work with my mixed race couple, my interracial couples. So when I work with my, my um, LGBT couples where we, where we have two people with different orientations sometimes, or with two different degrees of passing privilege, whatever. I in my work, I, I think I, I need to work harder at helping the people who do are not seen to know that. They are okay. You know why they're okay? This is what I are. Ah, this is what is coming up for me now, Rebecca. Because if they go back to their stories, if they rumble, they rumble with their own trauma, Rebecca. They won't only see pain, they also they also see their own survival.
0: Then that's a huge piece. And and so, and there's one other piece I just want to throw in there. They don't only see their survival. They see their ancestors survive. They
1: see their ans- ah,
0: right, like like
1: that's what yes. that's what this
0: is. This is because they wouldn't be here if their ancestors hadn't survived.
1: Yes, and their ancestors were their pain was invisibilized all of the time. They lived their entire their entire story. All of their stories, sorry, were not seen, but they were able to survive. They were able to push through. They were able to create a society, create community. And so in the stories of our ancestors, who also were not seen for survival Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: pushing through and and, and imagining. And so not being seen is not the end. In fact, for our people, not being seen is actually the beginning. Say it again. Not being seen for our people is actually the beginning.
0: Wow. Akilah, that feels like a place to land. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for this delicious rumble and this beautiful conversation and what a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and before we go, you have a, um, a course coming up with Therapy Wisdom.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Tell us a little bit about it. I don't know exactly when this is coming out. It'll be out in September, but I don't know if it'll be before or after your course. But even if it's after your course, folks can still catch a replay of it. So yeah. let us know about your course
1: yeah i am teaching with terry reel in september we start in september um the promotional webinar is on the 14th so please catch that if you're available um we're looking at relational privilege and systemic trauma and we're talking about race and sex discrimination you know five sessions, lots of fantastic bonus speakers Stan Tatkin, Joe Wynn Tracy Rogers Rafaela, Jules Taylor-Shaw, John Edwards who am I forgetting? I hope I'm not forgetting anybody Sarah, Sarah Malik. I, um, Sarah Malik you know, it's I am just, I feel like I'm forgetting someone please forgive me if I forgot you but um, yeah, so I am I am just excited about that and then I'm also doing the Black Mental Health Symposium 8th and 9th of September rumbling again with conversations surrounding race and sex race discrimination so so yeah
0: wonderful we'll have links to all of that in our show yes, yes. thank you again for joining us
1: no problem bye bye
0: So Akila has a wonderful course coming up with therapy wisdom and we're going to have a link to that in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you're going to love Akila's course and I highly recommend that you look into that. Join us again next month for another fantastic conversation I, I just can't wait to share with you. Take care and be well. Learn more about my counseling practice, intensives, and online workshops over at connectfulness.com. And if you haven't already, check out our sister podcast, Why Does My Partner? Why Does My Partner tackles questions from listeners who want help in relationship. These questions, your questions, send them in, are relationship gold. They echo the conversations that take place over and over again in our therapy offices and take us deep into conversations around the skills that are right at the heart of relationship intimacy, greater health, and fulfillment. Jules, Vicky, and I also offer Essential Skills Relationship boot camps. You can learn more about those at WhyDoesMyPartner.com. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your audio. We'd love if you follow and subscribe to the show, share it with those who may also be interested. I want to express my deepest gratitude to the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for this podcast, Sarah and Chris Ferris, who recorded and mixed this music at Kidney Stone Studio. And thank you, dear listeners. It's such a pleasure to be on this journey with you. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and it's copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. And we'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, facebook and instagram over at connectfulness take care and be well until next time